investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 67 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Now, I love talking about property, and more specifically, I really like investigating and looking into property prices. It's always been a fascination, uh, with my background being in valuations, my three-year Bachelor of Business Uni degree over in uh, in Adelaide. I've always been interested in what drives property prices and why they move the way they do, and perhaps what are some of the influential factors that are, are driving movements both up and down. So over the years, I've come to the realization that influential factors can be placed into three different categories. First one being the general economy, the second being the property market, and the third being the property itself. Um, Now, there are many factors that can fit into these different categories, and they have differing uh, levels of influence over the property prices depending upon what conditions are are occurring at the time and what some of these factors are or how some of these factors are influencing the market at the time. So I thought today we'd have a look at these three categories and some of the factors within these categories um, that really influence and drive property prices um, and have done over over many, many years. So if we look at the economy first, the, probably the most uh, common factor within the economy is interest rates. And it's something that everyone talks about and it's um, it's something that's been quite prevalent and, and very much in the, uh, in the media and in many people's mindset over the past 18 months. And interest rate movements can stimulate the, the, the market um, when we have cuts and, and things come backwards that can have a, uh, a flow on effect that, that gives confidence. People feel like they've got more spending capacity and they'll hit the market. And obviously what we've seen in the last 18 months can be the reverse where particularly when you get um, consistent month after month interest rate rises, um, it's it does start to to have an impact. Now, clearly not enough of an impact at the moment for the uh, Reserve Bank's liking because inflation is still doing what it is. But um, it's certainly starting to, or certainly has levelled off property prices over the past 18 months um, in Melbourne. The second one within the economy is um, unemployment rates and where they sit. Now, the, obviously, this contributes to the o- overall market sentiment. Um, people's uh, employment situations can provide them with confidence uh, in their own circumstances if they're fully infor- fully employed, um, got a good income coming in then they've, uh, they, that can give them confidence going into the market versus if there's some instability in that space and they perhaps don't have the confidence in their the business that they're working in or what have you, uh, it may mean that they don't have the confidence to go out or perhaps won't spend as much and therefore they won't push as hard within the property market, which can have a, an impact there. So it's really impacting on people's different financial situations. The third one, which um, is inflation, and that really ties in quite a bit to the, the previous two, Um, But it can certainly be a sign of confidence that's occurring at at any particular time. And so often higher inflation leads to stronger market. Now, that's not always the case. Um, We're certainly seeing inflation being quite strong at the moment. And and the property market, I wouldn't say, is overly strong. And even when interest rate rises started to occur, the market had probably already started to stabilise um, towards the end of 2021, and, and the interest rate rises didn't really kick in until May 22. So it's not always the case, but um, they do quite often go hand in hand. The last one within the economy side of things is looking at on a more global scale. Um, 
and we we quite often have global issues and there's a mindset of well this this will have impact on on local markets and and local property markets more specifically so if you look at some of the global issues that we've seen over the past five to ten years um, obviously the current war in uh, in Russia and the Ukraine um, brexit um, there was always a lot of talk around that and how that would impact on local markets uh, when Donald Trump was first elected in um, into uh, presidency in the US how that would ha- um, impact on the economy globally obviously covid um, not necessarily an economic impact but it certainly flew on to that um, and how that impacted the market and then going even further back to the global financial crisis which was certainly uh, worldwide so and there's been different ways that these, even though there may have been a perception that they were going to have a greater impact um, on local markets, in some circumstances they absolutely did. In others, it probably didn't have the effect that some people may have expected them to. So, but they these are global. These global issues can certainly flow on to affect local property markets um, in different ways. So, the the second category, as I mentioned earlier, is the the property market itself and how that. Um, influences prices. And one of the big ones is um, seasonal markets. And that's a big thing in Melbourne. Um, They can certainly influence buyer and seller confidence and certainly activity levels as well. So if we go through the four seasons, summer in Melbourne is quite often dead, Um, obviously starts December through to February. Uh, Most of December is pretty quiet. You usually get a first, the the couple of weeks coming up now, we'll, we'll still have a bit of activity. But by the time we get to the middle of December, through nearly all of January. Um, and then by the time the actual auction dates roll around, we're towards the end of February. So summer is usually pretty quiet um, in metropolitan Melbourne. Now, if you go out to some of the um, uh, regional locations and more specifically beachside type properties, um, property markets, sorry, they'll be very active. So that can be, that can be a differing um, influence there. Um, autumn, in, again, more so in Melbourne, that can be a, a quite a strong market. Um, people can, or, or supply coming out of the summer um, means that it's a good opportunity for people to get in. Um, people are typically back at, uh, back at work, back from school holidays. Um, but the thing to also remember in autumn is that there are a lot of public holidays through there, a lot of school holidays as well, and they can impact on, on market, um, on campaigns too. Winter is typically quite dormant. Um, there's obviously still activity going along, going on, but it, um, it's never as, as active as other times of the year. And then finally, the spring market, which we're just coming to the conclusion of, um, is usually seen as a selling season. And it's usually the heavy, most heavily supplied that you'll see, particularly in Melbourne throughout the year. Which leads me to the next point, which is the supply levels. And supply levels can really have a, a significant influence on, on property pricing. An oversupplied market can obviously lead to prices coming back if the demand's not there to meet it, whereas an undersupplied market can drive prices up if the demand is reasonable, but there's not a, not a huge amount of choice, um, then it can lead prices to start to move. Now, it can also, having a, an undersupplied market, if the demand isn't quite as strong, can keep property markets balanced. And we've seen that probably over the past, up until the start of spring, certainly the, the first sort of six to eight months of, of 2023, the supply levels were quite low. Um, demand wasn't huge, but what that meant was that the market remained quite balanced throughout that period. Um, but the thing to, to always keep in, in mind in these, um, when looking at the supply levels is, if there is a significant increase or prices or sorry, supply does come backwards, what may have driven that? So has the supply significantly increased because there's been a peak in demand um, and prices have jumped? Uh, what, what has driven that um, and, and why? 
The next one is the clearance rates. Now, we've always found that it's a good in indication of, of uh, market sentiment levels, but it, it shouldn't be looked at um, just on one week or two weeks. You need to look at it over a consistent period of time to get a really good feel and you need to look at it in conjunction with the, um, the auction levels um, uh, numbers so that you can get a feel as to, well, are we dealing with a, a good market in terms of the, the supply levels are reasonable and the clearance rates holding firm, well, there's some buoyancy there. But you need to look at them in conjunction. But what we found um, over time is that if the clearance rate's sitting above 70%, uh, we tend to find that that's a, a very much a seller's market. If it's sitting below 60%, we tend to find that that's a buyer's market. And when, when it's hovering around the 60 to 70% mark, which is what it's tending to do at the moment, we tend to find that's quite balanced. Um, you'll get some really strong results, but you'll also get quite a few pass-ins and there'll be some opportunities there too. And then finally, um, in terms of the property market categories, um, market sentiment, I think, is a really important one. And it's something that we um, look at quite closely when we're assessing property values. Um, obviously, the technical value that we, uh, when we're assessing, assessing a property's value is very much based on historical sales evidence. So we're looking back over the past um, weeks, months, um, to see where, what, what properties, what prices have been achieved, what properties are selling for. Um, and as a result, this is what we think that this the, the property that we, we're assessing is technically worth. But if we're not looking at have, how the prices are moving, the competition levels over that period of time as well, um, then we may be looking too much in the rear vision mirror rather than looking into the future and what we might need to be prepared to pay for something. So if the market's ticking along and there hasn't been a huge amount of choice and we're seeing four and five people bidding at similar properties, um, over the previous months, well, then there's a depth of demand there and you'll tend to find that people will start to get frustrated and they'll want to take a step in front of the market. So your market sentiment could be quite good. But if you look back and think that, well, these are the prices that are being achieved, but a lot of these were achieved um, on pass-ins, pass well, then perhaps market sentiment's starting to to, um, to wane a little bit and, and come back. And therefore, perhaps you don't need to be as bullish on, on price assessments. So market sentiment is a really important one. Now, the final category is, um, as I said, the property itself and how that um, can be priced and, and the elements of that property, how they are valued by the market. So the first one, which is always a, a big one when it comes to property, is location. Um, and so the proximity to services, to areas that the likely buyer profiles for that property are going to want uh, is important. So for example, if you're looking at families as your likely buyer, um, What's the proximity to schools, to public transport, to parks, those sorts of things? Um, if it's for, if your likely buyer is downsizers, they're, they're likely going to be wanting to be close to uh, shopping strips. Again, public transport is important. Uh, restaurants, having that, that cosmopolitan lifestyle is quite often really important to downsizers. Um, medical facilities, but also recreational facilities. So whether that might be beach, parks, those sorts of things as well. And then finally, investors, if they're potentially one of your buyers, um, what's the proximity to education services, to job opportunities, again, public transport. It's always those sorts of things that um, investors or tenants are going to want. Next element under property is obviously the size of the, the, lo of the land. Um, how big is the plot size? Again, what is the buyer profile? If it's a downsizer, perhaps they don't want too big. Um, if it's a family, they might want the backyard. So the land size can have a big influence on, obviously, on a property's value, um, particularly in certain locations where land is at a premium. Next one is the building size. Um, so that looking at the accommodation that it supplies, um, the number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, however many living zones, having a balanced um, 
accommodation is important too. Having perhaps four bedrooms and only having one living zone and only perhaps one bathroom might mean that your accommodation is a little unbalanced. So perhaps the premiums won't be paid for a property like that when pricing it. Um, car accommodation in certain areas can be at an absolute premium. In others, it's not necessarily as, um, as highly sought after. And then outdoor entertaining areas, shedding, swimming pools, all those sorts of things come into play when we're talking about the, uh, the building. Then we look at the condition of the, of the property itself. And so what's the standard of fit out and what's the style of fit out? Is it something that's going to be um, sought after by buyers? And we're finding that um, the, the fit out and the condition of the fit out is really important at the moment. Um, a lot of properties that are perhaps a little dated or a bit tired um, and are needing work, that's the sector of the market's probably finding it a little bit harder to secure buyers. Um, whereas those that are um, turnkey ready, really nicely well presented, very livable, um, a lot of buyers um, are more comfortable with that. They don't want to have to go and source um, builders, tradesmen, um, works. They know that it's quite expensive and there can also be time delays in doing so. So um, finding a property that's ready to go is quite important and, and that's certainly having a big influence at the moment. Now, that's, that's, there's every chance that that'll switch at some stage and um, renovators' delights will come back into play and that's what people will want. But at the moment, um, presentation condition is a, is a big factor in pricing properties. And then finally, the style of the property as well. Um, in certain certain areas, there's going to be a preference for certain types of property and certain styles of property. And other styles, which may be popular in, in a neighbouring suburb, may not be as popular there. So um, understanding what's what's sought after in a certain area um, and what buyers are willing or, or looking for can have a big impact on pricing as well. So hopefully that's given you a bit of an idea as to some of the key aspects of pricing, things that are looked at, some of the influential factors um, that drive pricing and considerations that are made when looking at what prices do over a period of time. Um, and hopefully you found that beneficial. But again, thanks for joining me for episode 67 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. And as always, please feel free to share the podcast far and wide with friends, family, colleagues, um, anyone who's interested in property. And if you would like to make, uh, sorry, if you'd like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. We wish you all the best with your property decisions.